0: Right. So Mads, it's great to be chatting to you. I'm actually chatting to you because of our mutual friend, Dr. Stephen Frost. And he, he asked me to kindly mention the fact that, you know, he chairs the medical in, medical doctors, international medical doctors for COVID ethics. I think that's right. I probably right. botched it. But anyway, he spoke very highly of me and said, you need to speak to Mads. He'll be great for your podcast. And then we had this chat and it was quite fascinating. You told me that you used to be into bond trading and then you discovered a lot of things while you're doing that, which was not palatable to the industry. And and you started talking about how there's no reason for poverty in this world and the ridiculous taxation. And I was like, whoa, this is incredible. So. Uh, Matt, I'm going to pass the mic over to you. Can you just introduce yourself, you know, correct me if I got anything wrong in that introduction? <laughs> I, I often do. And just, yeah, let's have a conversation. Over to you.
1: Yeah, I remember our conversation on the phone, a very pleasant one, if I may say so. And uh, I also remember we have another thing in common, uh, apart from being friends with Stephen Frost, and that is that I said when I said, I thought banking was a noble quest, a noble job yeah. to connect. Yeah. Uh, borrowers with uh, with lenders, and then you said, "Well, I thought the same. Being a doctor was about was noble. It was about curing people, right? So we had both this uh, hurricane <laughs> moment when we realized actually there are some really really strong people that that in the pharmaceutical industry as well as in banking who are not very mm-hmm. nice people. And yeah. when that dawns on you, it's like it took me years to really fathom it. I think I first had a hunch in um, in the early, early O's, when I stumbled over David Icke's books mm. and um, leaving out this stuff about reptiles, which I don't quite understand. And then he is so <laughs> spot on on absolutely everything. I mean, particularly the, the thing with, with all the presidents in America, bar one, were Freemasons for 10 years. I was like, what is going on here? I couldn't yeah. uh, understand it. And, um, and then I met some uh, some very smart people. In uh, 2011, who introduced me to to all the right books, you know, tragedy and hope, and uh, John Coleman, and uh, all the all the all the right guys. So then then I then I started understanding, but it took me a long time to understand, and I kept asking the central bank governors when I met. I met all the, I mean, not all, of course, not all, but I, you know, more than twenty uh, central bank governors, Federal Reserve, ECB. Bank of uh, Japan, Bank of Italy, Bank of Spain, or everybody, and I I kept, you know, and they seem very nice people. I just mm. couldn't understand that any of these could have ulterior motives, which were to loot country after country, make the discrepancy between rich and poor as big as possible. And I'm not a bleeding heart communist here at all, but I think it's just the the games, uh, the game is rigged, and it's um, and the the cards are stacked to the To the benefit of the super wealthy and uh, they're not playing fair games so and and it took me a long time to understand that it really was so and eventually i um, got blacklisted (sighs) from um, my job so yeah and i I understand you had that some some maybe some similar uh, experience that it took a while did it also take a while for you was it very sudden when you realized
0: I, I think it's been take, it's been happening very gradually, simmering in the background. I've started asking questions. You know, I started off in the NHS, very naive and very innocent. And oh my goodness, the NHS is wonderful, it's noble, I'm a doctor, it's great, I'm gonna help people. And then but I had a lot of questions. I didn't I you know, why don't we have the answers for this? Why don't we know what, what are the cause of mental illness? Why why are taking antidepressants meant to be good for you? What why are we, you know, pushing statins? Why are we pushing vaccines? Where are the evidence? You know, why is it so incessant? Take this shot, you know. And and then in the NHS, when I started working in the senior level, I just realized it was all about making money, saving money. It was all charade. It was the ultimate wizard of oz. And you know, if you really wanted to treat your patient like your family, you couldn't do that. It was you didn't actually have that. And the system was rewarding the lazy, the corrupt, the inefficient, and punishing the hardworking and innovative. So I was like, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of here. This is ridiculous. But you know, Talking about what you're saying, Mads, you know, the game is rigged. Unbelievable. Just a month ago, I was talking to someone over the phone. I was saying to him, do you know what? It feels like the game is rigged. The game. Oh, I'm talking about the game of life. So what I mean by that is, you know, you work hard, you save, you scriddle away your money, you you put it away into investments. But before you do that, you have to work so hard. You have to get debt from student loans. Then you have to pay tax, insurance tax, national insurance tax. Tax on your savings, tax on your on your profits, tax on your spending, tax on your housing, tax on your fuel, tax on your holidays, tax when you die. I mean, there's a fucking tax for everything. And how do people make money? I mean, and, and the people that I see making money, I'll be honest with you, are the ones that are kind of unethical. People, surgeons, for example, operating on patients who don't need surgery. Or, you know, people are just corrupt and people who just... You know, exploit others. So if you if if you have the mindset where you, you're happy to exploit another human being, you will get ahead, and that's that's a shitty game, as far as I'm concerned. But if you're an ethical, decent human being, it's hard to make money and be rich, if that makes sense. Anyway, what do you mean by the game is rigged? I mean, I think you're probably talking a much bigger level than what I'm talking about no i
1: i i'm i i i have a hunch i know a little bit that the same it's it's going on in the big pharma area after this the last three years what i had to to look into medicine and health which has never interested me at all but of course you have to when they when they roll out the pandemic but uh, i can give you a good example i think um, which was when i was um, when i was blacklisted and i was looking for jobs i started talking to some wealthy people. And I met, um, They were some, I think it was, they were Persian um, brothers who were very wealthy in the UK. And the way they, 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 they made money was they would buy, um, they, 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 they made, I think they made money on some, owning some petrol stations and stuff like that. But anyway, they would borrow a 100 million pounds from Barclays Bank, for example. And they would only put up 1 million. What? who would what? who would in their right mind lend 99 million <laughs> uh, for real estate investment knowing that if the price went up these uh, Iranian brothers would become uh, very wealthy and the bank would get you know 4 5% interest yeah. and if the if the if the, the real estate market went down of course, they were bo- they bought it in a corporation, so the Iranian brothers would lose a million, yeah, and Barclays Bank would lose maybe thirty, forty, fifty million, depending on how much the the, the real estate market would tank. Now, who would ever, in their right mind, do such a thing? I mean, we're talking about well-educated people. In, a, in order to, b- to get a job in a bank where you're lending out a hundred million, you're not an yeah. idiot. You are very well educated. I give you a clue for sure. Nobody will do that. If it was your money, would you do it? I wouldn't do it. Nobody would do it, right? And this mm. is just one of the ways that they decide whom should become rich and uh, and whom shouldn't. So the guys they want to, to make wealthy, they do. They do. This is just one of the things they they they, they do. I've also seen like. Uh, from several various sources that Bitcoin is owned by FBI and CIA, that's great insider information. If you can go to a guy and say, "Guy, listen, you can buy this Bitcoin for one dollar, and very soon it will be, uh, you know, fifty thousand dollars or whatever it went to." Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hmm. it's this this is these are the, the, are the type of scams that the um, that the deep state uh,
0: is 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 running. So hold on, hold on, Mance. One, we need to go back. What are your qualifications? Why did you get blacklisted? Why are banks giving 99 million pounds to people? Because it won't give me that much. If I said to the bank, I want a hundred pound loan and here's my one pound, they won't give me 99 pounds. So why is that happening? Okay. And then lastly, the Bitcoin thing. There's too many things <laughs> you just mentioned there. You know, people keep telling me Bitcoin is the safest thing now. You know, recently, yesterday, yesterday, on my birthday, um the bank notified me that my podcast bank account has been frozen and they're saying that there's been some illegal transactions between North Korea, Cuba, God knows Afghanistan, Syria, Russia, Crimea. I mean, I have not spent any money. This account is to literally get donations from listeners, buy me a coffee or Substack, so that I can pay for my overheads because there's a lot. And, um, I haven't even withdrawn any money it's just been depositing i mean i think it was, it's something very minuscule like 450 pounds or something um but they've frozen my bank account so they people keep telling me bitcoin is the safe thing and blah 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 so can you go back to who you are your career why you got blacklisted why are banks lending out so much money to individuals and why is bitcoin not safe sorry
1: yeah, so, um i'm a I'm a former investment banker specializing in government bonds, which means that I, my whole mind for for about good part of 25, 30 years was about how what would a what would a, a country do to make its economy as strong as and resilient as possible, so they can borrow money to the lowest possible interest rate. And so, and I, my 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 degrees is I'm a master's degree in law, and I have a bachelor in finance. And then I have various trading degrees, which you have to trade to take to be allowed to trade. You have to pass a lot of degrees, which are quite, quite uh, difficult. Some of them actually, but, yeah. um, anyway. So, so I've done that. And then, um, I got blacklisted, I think, because I kept speaking out about the way they were looting the third world. And in 08, it, it came to Southern Europe. It was a wealth transfer from, um, Greece, Portugal, Spain, Italy, to Northern Europe. Why, 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 why was, uh, why were these countries so interesting to the banking mafia? And I, I think that's because very few of them ha- ha- had at the time mortgages. So if, if you, for example, lost your job in Southern Europe, you would always have a dad, a ma- mother, an uncle, or a grandparent who would have a massive family home. So mm. you always knew, yeah. I could always, I can always go there, live there for for a while. They always have, mm. they have ten spare bedrooms, so yeah, I'll go there. And they, so this is very interesting. So now, what they did was they just tanked the economy totally. Everybody lost that job. The salaries were, were slashed, and um, and then they introduced mm. to pay these new deficits and the loans, front and interest, just the interest on the IMF loans, which were about in Greece's case close to ten percent which of course you can't pay you just you just have a bad economy you can't pay 10% interest right which is of yeah. course and um, and so then they said well now we introduce a real estate tax and then and then the, the owners of these properties said, excuse me we just lost our job i mean we're happy to put even to be able to put food on our table and now you want me to pay in real estate uh, state tax and then the government uh, on after on the uh, Goldman Sachs and IMF advice said well you can take a mortgage to pay your to pay your real estate tax so that the government can pay the German and the French banks oh. right this is this is why they they, they looted southern europe and the, at the same time the european central bank issued 1500 billion euro and gave it to the english the french and the german banks so that they wouldn't lose money on the on the on the real estate market going down so they would lend them this money for zero interest. They would then buy up uh, Greek bonds for 9% and uh, maybe Italian government bonds for 7% or 8%. And then they would have the interest <clears> arbitrage <throat> you borrow for 0 or 1% and you make 7 or 8 or 9%. And uh, of course, you have inside in- information that you know that these countries will not allow to be, to, to be allowed to default. They will just be, be bled dry and sucked up for all the money they possibly can. So this, was, this is just an example of how they do a wealth transfer from the middle class, which were literally destroyed in 08 and 09 in Southern Europe, to the banksters in, uh, in Northern Europe.
0: It's evil. I mean, that's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, pure, pure evil. And I spoke out about that. I, I spoke out against that. Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? I spoke out in, with Jan, Janet Yellen. She was at the time uh, federal uh, in the Federal Reserve, and later she became the governor of the Federal Reserve. I believe she is now the the finance minister, I think, or she has been. I don't follow exactly what she's up to, uh, but um, but what a horrible person. Yeah, I thought we were colleagues. I didn't know at the time the Federal Reserve were privately owned. I didn't know that she was in the private sector. I thought she was working in the public sector. And I could then, as a taxpayer, I could say to her, listen, we are taxpayers here. We're not doing the right thing in Southern Europe, you know. I know a thing or two about finance and about tax mm-hmm. systems. And um, if a country is going belly up, you should not do what the IMF is doing. And the IMF is doing in every every single country they go into. They always say, "Okay, we can lend you some uh, money to pay for your deficit, but you have to fire uh, your uh, half the people working in the public sector. You have to hike interest rates." Uh, you know, all this stuff that totally destroys the economy. Because when you you hike interest rates, people can't pay their mortgages. And then you fire people from the public sector. Well, everybody has um, a wife or a husband or someone who, who works in the public sector. And, and if you don't, then your clients are, if you own a restaurant, your clients are working in the public sector. And if they are fired, they don't visit your restaurant. So it doesn't matter whether you're working in the private sector or the public sector, you, uh, you, 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 will, you will be making less money. The economy will tank. You can't pay. And uh, I kind of tried to explain that to Janet Yellen in, uh, at the Lanesboro Hotel in 2011. And three weeks later, I was taken into an office. My, my nearest boss had asked me to go to New York to, be, to get into to some management roles at Morgan Stanley. And I said no, because my wife and two daughters were living in Copenhagen. And my son and I were flying back every weekend to see them. Mm. And mm. Uh, no, New York was just a little bit too far away. So I said no. So I thought it was probably something about that. And he, they fired me. They fired me. I, I, I'm, the, I'm the only trader <laughs> I know who had made his annual budget in April, who lost his job. I have never heard of that happen ever before.
0: Wow. So this—you—you you never got sacked because of your performance. You got sacked because of your views and opinions.
1: I had made my annual budget in April already. I mean, one month before I was going on vacation. And uh, with my family, we were flying out to Thailand and uh, some guy took on, we have like an internal holler that you, know, you can talk and everybody can hear it in all Morgan Stanley departments. And he was shouting, "Matt Pelsby is going on vacation. And everybody stood up cheering, you know. It was like, I love being a banker. We had this football Holy Gang atmosphere. We are on the same team. We are helping each other out. Whenever you had a problem, you go to a colleague, you ask, Hey, how do you do this? And people would immediately, normally, I mean, unless it was something really, unless their, their chair was on fire, they would always stop whatever they did and um, do whatever they could to help you. I loved being a banker. I loved my colleagues. We had such a great time. And, um, yeah, it was, um, I'm very, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I miss it in, uh, you know, were you told, were you? Told, often, you, know, were
0: you... It was great time were you told why you're let go?
1: No. Of course not. Even even they wouldn't even let me back into the office. And I looked at my boss and I said, "Listen, I'm going back in and collecting my stuff." And then there was a there was a um a woman from the from the human resources. She thought she she was about to die. I've never seen anybody so afraid. She was like, mm. She was like totally afraid, and I was I was so pissed off. So I'm also probably one of the few from Morgan Stanley who, after having been said, told that they were not allowed to go back into the – I went back to the trading floor. I went back in there, said goodbye to people, and took my stuff. I did it. Otherwise, it would have been a fistfight, for sure.
0: So how how, is, how did that experience make you feel? Like – you're all, you've not done anything wrong you've done an amazing job as a trader it sounds like you're making lots of money for the bank and your are you're you know your senior has called you in and just said we're letting go and i'm not giving you a reason i mean how do you feel
1: Look, i i was really annoyed because at the end of the day you know if people had told me you can't talk about this i would probably have done but like everybody else uh you know but I was naive. I, I mean, I cannot believe it. I didn't know that Federal Reserve was privately owned. I didn't know that it was by design. I didn't know at that time that, that people could be so evil that they go into country after country with the same recipe, destroy their economy so that, that multinational corporations can buy the country up on the cheap and American can get so, uh, yet another uh, military base and get more, more votes for their crazy sanctions uh, against... Uh, nations who would like to have some, some kind of sovereignty. Uh, this is what they do. They use the IMF to beat the crap out of nations, nation after nation after nation to tow them in line. And um, and I just I just didn't know that. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, had I known what I would be putting my wife and kids through from one day being able to buy whatever they want to the next day, not you know, not uh, being able to do it. It was, of course, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. You know, I'm not like, I'm not suicidal. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not out to, to this. To, to I'm not, I want to look after my family like everybody else. But um, to the credit of my wife and kids, you know, they all supported me. My, we are still married after 33 years, ten years later, so we're still together. And and she's she works hard as a psychologist, and she's now funding basically my. I'm not ma- making any money. I'm working in the in my poli- political party, and I'm not making any money at all. My wife is working six days a week to to fund my um, shenanigans, oh. <laughs> so to speak.
0: Wow. So you just, oh, there's so many things we haven't even covered, and keep I keep forgetting the things we've talked about. But you said that you weren't aware that the Federal Reserve wasn't federal. A lot of people will struggle with that. They don't understand what you mean by that. I, I think I know what you mean by that. But... The Federal Reserve isn't actually owned by the government. Can you just by the American government? Can you just expand on that? What What's your understanding and knowledge of that?
1: The Federal Reserve is neither federal nor does it have any reserves. It was it was privatized on Jekyll Island in 1913. <laughs> Edward Griffin explains it a lot better than I do, so I advise anybody to read his book uh, about Jekyll Island and. Um, and it was done uh, over christmas there were a lot of um, of uh, animosity towards this plan and it was discussed ardently in uh, for 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 many years in uh, in in the, in the early 90, uh 20th century and um, and some of the people who opposed it the most they actually died on the titanic maybe you might be aware of that but um, the no, most uh, the, the the most ardent uh, opponents to the privatization of the central bank Um, they died on the Titanic, forgot their names. Um, but, but then they did it over Christmas when everybody were home, they just passed the law through, um, the federal, the independent federal reserve act. And it was just passed through, uh, slid under the, you know, and, and, and they, it was all very secretive. All these big banks, the banking families, uh, the Rothschild, the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilt's and whoever it was, JP Morgan, whoever uh, came in and they, they they took separate trains there. They it was a hotel on Jekyll Island. They even had new staff for that weekend, um, handpicked staff uh, signed uh, you know non-disclosure agreements and all this was done. And it's actually the third privately owned central bank in the U.S. There were like there were twice before. That was a privately owned central bank that had uh, a 20-year <coughs> lease to produce the money of the United States, and um, and you know the same thing happened the other time the other couple of times inflation and, and wealth transfer from the middle class to the to the wealthiest and so on. yeah so so I was not aware that the Federal Reserve were, were privately owned, um, and it doesn't have any reserves. it, it just it just ma- it just makes money on behalf of the United States. And this is also something very interesting for people is money creation. I think that's something everybody should understand, just like I had to to understand more about health and vaccines and, and so on the last three years. Everybody should understand money creation. And uh, and then, you know, there's this diversion. Oh, it should be backed by gold. No, because who who owns all the gold? Right, the rich people, the, so they can just take the gold away, and then you we are back to square one. No, the, it's very important that you produce money based on, on the face in the currency. The fiat money is very, very good. Uh, money creation it's based on gold, silver, yes, but it's also based on all your assets, all your real estate, and above all, the most important asset each country ha- uh, has is the, the willingness of the people to get up early in the morning and go to work and be productive this is the most important uh, wealth creator in every country on this on this planet and this is the basis of the value of each currency in each country so and that and, and we should never this should never be privatized ever we should all own it and i think that well, in 2008, was a clear example of how they used money creation. They couldn't find any money to help the, pe- the, the people in Southern Europe who were losing their jobs, but they could find 1,500 billion to bail out the biggest banks. And then in so, uh, Mads, in, Mads, um,
0: Mads, just go back a bit. <clears throat> go back a bit. So, right now, is there any publicly owned central bank in the world, or are they all private?
1: Well, Gaddafi's was it was destroyed. I believe Syria is still privately owned, which is why they try to, to to get rid of uh, Assad. And I privately believe North Korea publicly. is also. No, sorry, sorry public, Private- It's it's a gov- It's a country. Yeah, I meant. I meant. Sorry. Thanks for correcting me. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's in Syria. It's the government that produces the money, and the same in North Korea. It used to be Cuba. I think maybe Cuba still is. I'm not sure. Um, and actually, in North, North Dakota, there is a public bank. So the, the North Dakota states, actually, when they want to build a road, they, um, they, they do it um, on behalf of the of the state for very low interest rates and it, it, the right way to do it. So it's only North Dakota and uh, Syria and North Korea, and I think possibly Iran as well. I think Iran as what, well.
0: What about Russia and China?
1: So Russia, definitely not. I recommend all your, your viewers to read the first chapter of Nikolai Starikov's book, Ruble Nationalization. Uh, the Way to Freedom, I think it's called. But it's Ruble Nas- Google Ruble Nationalization and Nikolai Starikov. And it's a free free PDF um, where he explains how the 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 oligarchs and the deep state and the CIA and the Harvard uh, mafia they recommended this shock therapy to the Russian people. Um, when was this? This was in uh, ninety one.
0: Why after didn't, the, why, the why hasn't Putin reversed it?
1: See, that's a good question. That's a good question. Why hasn't he done that? I really don't know. I mean, they are they are. He's alleviating the pain, and, and uh, they're transferring less money to the West than they used to. They, they what they did was in ninety one they made this. Um, <laughs> new constitution in in Russia and, and what I'm telling you now it's so incredible uh, it, I mean I, I don't even <laughs> I didn't believe it myself when I heard but they 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 said so they recommended the the the, the Russian uh, Duma and the Russian people that it's the, very important that the central bank is independent what do you mean by independent well very very independent how are we going to do it well so they put in into the constitution that the central bank is independent. That's already a red flag. I don't think many countries have that, if any. And then the second one they put in, if the Russian people or the Russian, uh, Russian political party or even the Russian majority government is unhappy with the central bank's decisions, it's so independent that you can only sue it in the state of New York. What? Wow. So we think Russia is an independent country. No, state of New York. So if you were unhappy with the shock therapy in the 90s, where they hiked interest rates to 33%, we're talking about the wealthiest country in the world, bar, bar, bar none. Imagine a country where, where all the flats are owned by and houses are owned by the government without a mortgage. Imagine a country where all the factories are owned Without a mortgage, imagine all the roads. Everything is paid for. This is how wealthy the Russians are. They could have had made a social democratic country like like Denmark, and they and they could have said, "Let's just we need some finance, so let's just print the money like the ECB did in 2008 to bail out the banks, or let's just sell. We sell instead of instead of of, of giving the flats and the houses to the Russian people." You now, if you want to have um, that, you have your two-bedroom flat. We'll sell it to you for a hundred thousand dollars. You'll pay us back, interest-free, over maybe thirty, forty, fifty years, whatever. Mm, mm. That that way, you could have mm. created a big uh, capital base, monetary base in uh, in Russia, and that it. it? Would have been a tremendous wealth creation if, will, 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 if you had issued money. People would have, have been able to buy and sell from each other. Instead, what they did, they hiked rates to 33%. So that means if you wanted to start a business, you would mm. have to, 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 to pay 33% interest. How, 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 can you, how can you make any business, right? You can't. And then the other thing they did, these bastards, they said that you can't issue rubles. What? Every country. I mean, in Denmark, we issue Danish kroner. We don't ask anybody. We just issue Danish kroner if we need it. No, no. They couldn't issue rubles. How so? How, will, how are the Russians still to this day allowed to uh, <laughs> produce money? They are allowed to sell uh, oil and um, and natural resources on the world market, and then the money they get in dollars and euros and 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 yuan and and, and remendi and whatever. All that money they are then allowed to buy U.S. government bonds for, and then. Which, which so they get one or two percent or three percent interest rate for that. Then in the American banks, they're allowed to borrow the same money back, and now they're paying because it's so high risk. Russia is high risk, so now now they pay back, pay them seven or eight percent. This is how they were looting sixty billion dollars every year in the nineties.
0: No hold on okay, a It's, like, it's, it's The same they... interest
1: price I told you about before with the one... guy. Remember the, the example I gave you before with the Iranian brothers who borrowed yeah. uh, They borrow ninety nine million to buy a, a hundred million house for low interest yeah. rates and if the price goes up they make the money and the ecb the european banks they borrow money for, for for low interest rates from from uh from the european central bank basically from the european people they just issue the money they just put type it into a computer and then they they can then invest those 1500 billion on a higher interest rate that that is how they they make the money it's interest arbitrage so them the west did this to russia they did this to russia and 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 since then now the the Putin have been have been selling these US government bonds so they have there's less um uh, theft going on at the moment, but um, it's still very independent and they have not changed the to my knowledge, they haven't changed the constitution in Russia yet.
0: So when you say they, you kept saying they are doing it to the Russian people. Who are they and why do the Russian people let them do it?
1: I have no idea. Could be that some, a lot of the politicians are paid off in Russia as well, like in any other country. I'm speculating here. I don't know. It doesn't make mm. any sense. Why would you be an independent sovereign nation and allow your enemy, number one, clearly USA is fighting a proxy war through Ukraine, throwing uh, more than a hundred billion dollars uh, of weapons after Russia, right now, as we speak, even bombing the Crimean bridge a couple of times and the Nord Stream uh, gas line, why would you allow in your constitution that it says that if you're unhappy with the interest rate policy, and there's a lot of reasons to be unhappy with that, by the way, then you can sue us in uh, the state of New York? Why would you do that?
0: So I who mean, introduced this? Who on who... my
1: list? If I was a Boston politician.
0: Yeah, who introduced this law? Who introduced this into the constitution? When you say they,
1: well, in the early nineties, the early nineties, uh, the, the, the 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 Russian politicians had no idea about capitalism. They 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 grew up in a socialist country uh, with central planning. They had no idea what what is this capitalism? It looks quite nice, you know. You have better cars than we do. It looks it mm. looks fancy, right? So uh, we want a bit of that action. So how do we propose? How can we become rich like you? And then they these lying thieving. Banksters and Harvard, Harvard economists, Harvard endowment, Harvard, Harvard Harvard. Harvard endowment, a bunch of thieves. Look at, look at what happens to their endowment in the nineties. It more than doubled. This was from Mm. looting, um, in, in, in in Russia, buying up the the assets uh, of the, of of, of Russia, uh, uh, very cheap. In the early '90s, you know, they made so much money on this. Okay. So they okay, advised Mads, it. it was insider trading.
0: Yeah, Mad. One second. So we've ascertained the Federal Reserve is not federal, and there's no reserve, and it's a private corporation formed around 1913, last century, and it's not for the benefit of the people. You talked about the um, how banksters. You know, I don't, I, I don't hold them highly. Pretty much same level as lawyers and currently doctors. Sadly. They're exploiting people, exploiting countries. Um, we talked about Russia and central bank independence. So there's very few banks that are independent. Interestingly, the countries you mentioned are all the bad countries. They're the ones that have got their own you know, government bank. That's interesting. Um, what about fiat money? So a lot of people don't actually understand where money comes from. And when you say it's printed out of nothing, for example, when I get a mortgage, it's not that I, I got money from the bank. The bank had this money in its vault and I took it from them and then I have to pay them. They literally just magicked it into the air. Is that correct? Can you just explain fiat money? Because it's so ridiculous for most people, they don't believe it. If I tell my child this money was just you know, imagined out of nothing and, that, and then I am paying for that, she'd be like, why would you do that? That's ridiculous. Why don't you just imagine your own money? So Can you just explain the whole fiat business? Because a lot of people struggle with that.
1: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, let me give it a go. I mean, first of all, let's start with coins to begin with. Coins. So, the the king was minting coins. That's why it says so in the in our constitution. Only the only the king can mint coins. Nowhere does it say that privately owned central banks can do it or privately owned banks. It says the king can, only the king can mint coins. And um, then there was maybe quite likely there was a, a king who thought, Hey, what if I only put one dollar of silver in a ten dollar coin? Then I make nine dollars. That's called seniorage. The value of, of, um, of the, no, the if the nominal value, the difference between the nominal value of the coin to the the, uh, the 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 value of the metal that you put into this coin, if that is a positive number, that then you make seniorage. and that's how the the kings finance their lavish lifestyle and wars and whatever big buildings or prestige castles or whatever they did. And then, then with the first central banks, um, you know, a few hundred years ago, I think it was the Swedish and it was the first uh, about three hundred and fifty years ago, something like that. They they started making making uh, bank bank notes. So they, they started printing money. And um, in the beginning, they said it was based on on the the assets they had in their vault. So if you, were, you if you had some gold, you would store it with the central bank, and then um, they would. And in, in, in then then the story is that you would uh, instead of going and, and collecting your gold, you just get a receipt from the from the central bank that hey uh, Ahmad has uh, you know ten dollars of of gold and here here's a ten dollar ten dollar note, guaranteed with gold. And eventually the central banks realized that nobody ever picks up the gold, so they started issuing more of these notes than there were gold, and that way you. You create more money, and they saw, hey, the more money we create, the the more. And here comes it: what happens when you produce money? It either becomes inflation or growth. So to begin with, it's a growth. Everybody can work an hour more, right? And maybe even two hour more. But eventually, people don't want to work anymore, and uh, then then you you create inflation instead. So, so then now we don't we we, we still print. Money when we make bank notes, it's about three to four to five percent of our monetary base. Ninety-five percent or more is digital money. So it's literally just typed into a computer. So when you when you when you uh, get get a, a loan in the bank, you are actually making the money. It's 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 based on on your promise to get up early in the morning and go to work, and if if you don't if you decide not to do it or you die or something else horrible happens um, you lose your job or whatever then they will come and take the assets away from you so so this is how money creation uh, you know started with minting coins printing uh, notes and now typing yeah. it in digitally so this is the money creation and I, and we have the best chance in hi, in living history of of uh, making sure everybody understands the power of money creation 08 the banksters, and then you had uh, in in two thousand and, uh, and and twenty, you had the lockdown. You were they were they were able in in nineteen. We couldn't find one billion for the old people. In ni- yeah. in twenty twenty, we could find five hundred billion to send home all the public sector workers. How did that happen? <gasps> money printing. They printed no, the money. No.
0: No, Mads, Mads, you need to look out your window. I don't think you've you've noticed. There's a whole forest of money trees growing now. Have you not oh, seen that? Yes. <laughs> all these, trees. all these money trees and the big fruit of money, basically everywhere. You just need to go go get a money tree. Yeah, I mean, I've, I I saw that myself. You know, we don't have money to pay for the NHS. We don't have money to to give salaries to doctors and nurseries. Nurses, we didn't have money to pay for people's education. Why do students have to have debt now? So much debt coming out. I think it's criminal. And I'm not a communist. But I think, you know, I want a small government. And I and I want, you know, a, 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 something, a system where, you know, if you work hard, you get rewarded for it. You know, people need to get out and work. I don't want a nanny state that will just give you money to stay at home, watch TV, smoke and drink alcohol and watch Netflix. I don't want that. I think people need to get out. Work hard and be productive. But equally, I think, you know, communities get together and we should look after each other. So, for example, we send our children to school and university and they don't have to pay for it. That, you know, we we can send our, you know, people who've been in a car accident straight to hospital and they can get fixed up and not have to worry about bills and they get laden with debt and, you know, go into bankruptcy because they couldn't afford their medical bills. You know, as a state, as a community, we, we look after each other in times of need. We look after our children, but you know, you need to get out and work, be a productive member of society. So that's the kind of balance that I think we need. I, I'm libertarian at heart. I think we need to have a, a social net for most people, and we shouldn't exploit um, young children and their education, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where I am. But I I find that the whole system now, the state. And is working as an agent for globalist multinational corporations who are essentially parasites feeding rapaciously on the population, sucking them dry. And I think it's kind of scary because these parasites have lost their way. In the past, maybe they had a fine balance where they kept the host alive, you know, because there's no point killing the host because the parasite will die as well. I think now it's kind of out of control where they're feeding so much, they don't really care if the host dies. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're just, all they care about is their next meal. They don't, <laughs> they're like, I'm feeding now. I don't care about next month or a year from now. I'm going to, I'm going to gorge on, on your carcass. Um, and it's really sad seeing this, but you know, going back to where you're, you're talking about the fiat money system just created out of nothing. It's ridiculous. I, I, I find that even to this day, my brain just, is bamboozled how you can make money out of nothing and i think people really need to understand that now you said you know you got blacklisted so after that conversation with the new york banker um governor or whatever um you got sacked are you telling me all the banks in europe just didn't want to know you they they they, you just got rejections everywhere you went
1: well it um it certainly seemed like that. And uh, there was one, one particular case with, uh, it was credit in into Suez where I was, um, I was offered the job. The headhunter said, yes, you got the job. I got along very well with my Swedish boss and my American boss, what I, I was supposed to work for. And then the headhunter, uh, called me and said, no, they decided not to go ahead anyway. And we were, everybody were very surprised. And then three months later, I called this Swedish guy who was supposed to be my boss. And in the meantime, he had moved to another bank, so he was not beholden mm. to uh, secrecy and the, and the previous employer. And he told me, you know what? My boss, the American, had a phone call from the top CEO from Credit, uh, Credit uh, Recall in the not to hire you. Why, would, why wow. would a top CEO bother about a local hire? No, they don't do that normally. So, yeah, and then I, you know, I just, then it made a lot more sense to me. But uh, so,
0: so, I mean, I find that shocking. So you've you've been sacked, blacklisted, and then you start researching and you start finding out about the Federal Reserve and the way money fiat system is. I mean, I, I'll throw it back at you: How can you have gone for university and be so smart, get into the world of banking, and not know about this in the first place? Explain that to
1: me. Um, I, it's incredible. I don't think any of my colleagues—I mean, going back 20 years, maybe today they do know it, but 20 years ago, I don't think anybody knew it. We would have <clears> talked about it. I don't think anybody really understood how money was created. No, I don't think so.
0: Is it like—is really it like my so. doctor colleagues, for example? Um, you know, I—I'm 48. I was 48 yesterday, and five years ago, I turned my my health around. And everything that I learned about how to be healthy was nothing I was taught in med school. And Hmm. is it a similar analogy where, you know, you go for med school, you work for all these exams and tests, you know, I became a surgeon and actually I was never taught nutrition. I was never taught about the importance of sleep. I was never taught about how to eat properly. I was fed a lot of lies and truth. And the best lie is one that's coated in truth. So you can swallow it without seeing that it's a lie. Um, and and it's also from omission the, the certain things they just don't tell you about so you just don't, you're not aware. I mean, is that a reasonable analogy? Is it sim- similar like that in the banking industry very where you can analogy. get where you can get quite far and you, you you're very specialized in this small area, but you don't see the bigger picture.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And and one of the other things I think that we're being instilled is the, this thing. If you get richer, that means I get poorer, that, that it's a zero sum game. And it's totally the other way around. The more wealthy you become, the more likely it is that you're gonna buy some services or some goods from me, so I also become wealthy. And the more wealthy you and I become, and and well, and we help create wealth in our neighborhoods where we are, the more likely it is that someone, <clears throat> if not us, someone else, Will invent something, then benefits the whole society. So it's 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 it is this gravy train of of abundance that they're trying to to shut down by by um, trying to convince us this these Malthusian lies that we are too many people, we are running out of resources, it's all horrible, you know, and mm. and, and people poor kids now they they are. They are feeling so guilty. Oh my God! I can't. My parents are driving a car. It's so horrible. The world is going to end now because of my parents driving a car, and because they want to eat a steak uh, on a Saturday night. Oh, that's so horrible that we're all going to die. It's all a lie, and I, even 100%. though they have stacked the cards, and and they have created a, a, an economic system that sucks the the money out from us. You you, you mentioned before the way they tax us on everything, including death. That is designed to transfer the money from the wealth creation, from the, the interaction, <clears throat> human interaction from each other to the dead corporations and their executors, the corrupt bureaucracy and the technocrats who are doing nothing apart from making silly laws, silly regulations that make your life miserable. And instead of spending time with your family, you're sitting in filling, sitting down, filling forms, applying yeah. for, are you allowed to marry? Are you allowed to put on a shed in your garden? Are you allowed to have a driver's license? You have to uh, apply for everything. And everything is made as complicated as possible. And not, nothing takes less than one hour. You want to phone them? You wait for one hour. You talk to them? One hour. Then you've probably filled it in incorrectly. So you have to amend it. And it, it, it your life is just, the, the, all they, all they do is trying to, to make your life miserable. I mean, when we sent when we sent home all the public sector workers for, I don't know, what was it six months or a year? I can't remember. Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. There's no difference. Made no difference for anybody, whether they, they so, went to work or not, right?
0: But, Mance, is this all just by design or is it just a failure of, like, the system is just broken and it's got to the stage? I mean, that's one question. And the second thing I wanted to say was, look, I, I, there's a guy called Stephen Covey, Steve Covey. He's passed away now and he wrote a book about seven habits of highly effective people. I think it was seven. Mm -hmm. I might be wrong. And one of the points he made was, you know, the win-win philosophy. He said too often, you know, people think if I have to win, you have to lose, you know, or vice versa. And actually it doesn't Mm. have to be like that. We can both win and our win will be greater than if it's a win lose situation and I really subscribe to that I think rather than you know find some kind of relationship or deal where I benefit at your expense, let's find a way where we both benefit because trust me it'll be much better in the long term even the short term and it and and that's a a mindset that is really really good and I love Steve Covey's book and I did the course um surely. The bankers and the politicians know this, you know, if they, if they win by supporting the population and the public and making us productive, happy, industrious, the nation becomes more profitable and stronger. What's the benefit of making your population miserable and sick and indebted um, and unhealthy? Surely that's not good for your nation.
1: No, it's not good for your nation, but that's also not what they want. They want a, popu- a population they can control, uh, so that they don't revolt uh, against them. You know, like George Bush Senior once famously said, uh, "If they knew what we have done, they would chase us down the streets." So I think they, are, I think they are terrified, and I think that's why they are, have this big push now to have this surveillance state and all this censorship, uh, the shaming of everybody, anybody who speaks uh, speaks the truth. Um, it's it's a controlled, controlled uh, grid, and, and people are afraid. Also, freedom fighters are very afraid. Take, for example, all the German freedom fighters. Mm. They're afraid of talking about Eisenhower's death camps. Whose death camps? So the fact that Eisenhower killed more than a million German soldiers after the war ended, the <gasps> German freedom fighters will not talk about that. I don't know that. No, you're not supposed to know that, but that's what they did. They literally put them out in the field. So 99% of the American and British uh, soldiers who were in, in, in German captivity survived. Even though uh, the logistics uh, collapsed during the heavy bombardments, even though, uh, you know, typhus came and, and even though many of them would have been injured when they were captured, 99% returned home safe and sound. And the uh, Germans adhered to the Geneva Convention. They fed the, their prisoners of war the same as their old, own soldiers, and they were not <clears> given <throat> the same treatment by Eisenhower. They were put out in a field in Luxembourg and um, an Alsace region of France, and they were left there to die, without shelter, without food, without water. Barbed wires around. They would even at night drive a tank through the, the place, uh, mm-hmm. killing them. You know, they were trying. They were docking ho- holes in the ground with their Listen The hands listen, trying to, to to survive.
0: Just just stop one second. I can hear people now saying you're a Nazi sympathizer, you're a conspiracy theorist. Where are you getting this information from? Because this is pretty pretty goddamn is, like mind
1: blowing. It is. It is. It's totally mainstream. You can find it very easily. It, this is the fact. They even wrote about it in newspapers. How many they had killed on a daily basis? They they wrote about it. It it is totally totally an utterly. Uh, 100% factual that they, 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 they did that. And I, I want to also say, England and France left Germany in 1949. Soviet Union left in 1989. Can we get a year when America is leaving Germany? Germany doesn't have a, have a peace treaty yet. Right? Why not? Mm. Are you seriously considering the lovely German people of today having any aspirations of attacking Poland and France. Seriously?
0: Aren't, aren't there still yeah, British there troops though? And I thought different. there were well, still British troops and bases in Germany. I don't think so. I think it's only American bases,
1: no? Maybe, or maybe I'm wrong.
0: Okay. I don't know, I'm not 100% yeah. sure. So they still don't have no, a, 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 they still, America and Germany don't actually have a, a, a final peace treaty? No. It's still a country and, of and, occupation i'm just saying
1: that 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 uh, that the german the german freedom fighters are fr- afraid of saying this and i think that uh, german freedom fighters they need to come out and say excuse me now we want to have our own independence now we do not we do not want to be a, uh, you know be occupied any longer and would, they, you, they, say is, would,
0: you, would you say germany is would you say germany still a country of occupation
1: yeah it is legally it is
0: so it's funny, you know, the West, America leads the West and NATO and claims to be, you know, the nation of the free and the brave, spreading democracy around the world. I used to believe that growing up in the 80s. I used to love the 80s movies, you know, you know Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all these kind of things. I used to love all these movies. I, used to, I was like, oh, I wish I could go to the States. It seems like an amazing country. You know, I grew up, I was born in Scotland in wet, wet and very gray Glasgow. And you'd see these mm. movies of California and the sunshine. And I'd be like, man, I want to go out there. Can't wait to get out there. And um, mm. and this it's this beacon of light, you know, in the darkness around us, the barbarity of the rest of the world. And I think one of the sad things, realizations as I grew up was actually, while the American people are beautiful and lovely, and just like everywhere else, human beings everywhere are good. We're we're taught to, to fear people we don't know. And we're taught to think that these people are bad and evil. Actually, human beings are pretty much the same everywhere. You said something right at the beginning of this conversation. You were saying, you know, you want to protect your family, look after them and take care of them and your children. Mate, Mads, everybody wants to do that. Whether you're in Indonesia, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Russia. America, South America. You know whether you're Masai Mara, you want to take care of your kids. You want to see them smile. You want to give them a cuddle. You want to have. You want to. You want to love your wife. Your wife wants to love you. You want to have sex. You want to have a great meal. You want to have a roof over your head. Everybody wants the same thing. No one wants. No one wants. No one wakes up and goes. I want to chop someone's head off. I want to go and rape someone. I want to steal something. Most, <laughs> they don't think like that. But one of the sad realizations. I had growing up was actually this country that I thought was amazing and spreading truth and light and democracy and freedom is actually not. It's the biggest terrorist in the world, waging war incessantly every year, year and year, sometimes in more than one country, bullying smaller nations, um, you know, exploiting their resources financially and physically. Claiming it all to be in the name of democracy when actually all they did was prop up dictators and overturn true democratic movements. That made me so sad. But what's made me even sadder is now that I've seen not only were they doing that to other nations developing third world countries, they're actually full on doing it to their own population. This idea that they're not waging war against their own population is Gone out the window now. I see it day and night. They they are exploiting their own people, feeding on their misery and poor health. And it's really desperately sad. I don't know how much longer this can carry on for. I I I, I see the train tracks running out. The train is going full steam ahead, but there's an abyss. And I think it's gonna go over the abyss. I cannot see because the the thing is you said about it's all about power and control. These people have got money. They've got more money they could ever spend. I don't think it's about money. It must be control now. And they're getting desperate because their measures are now out in the open where you know people like you and I who trusted the system probably didn't really care or notice. I think more and more people are now seeing the bullshit that's happening. What do you think?
1: No, yeah, I definitely think there's a big difference uh, going back just a couple of years to now, now they know. I mean, if you and I said the stuff we say now a couple of years ago, people would be shaking their heads. And now we were we were on these um, people gatherings, we call it, where politicians come and have a tent and there are debates and, and you know public meetings and so on. And uh, we've been to one this June and uh, another one in August last year. And we have these banners, for example, See, the more CO2, the better. And we had, we have a three meter long vaccine, you know, and anti WHO propaganda. And we have a big banner saying, stop the globalist war with the, with the people as cannon fodder. And, and these very in your face, uh, propaganda banners. And now people bow their head in shame when they come by. And when, and when they see the more CO2, the better, they go, they, what? What? They want to have a photo with that, or come and ask, "Is that what? What are you talking about?" They're curious, and um, and the, with regards to the war and the vaccine, they know we are right. They know they mm. are they were cowards. They know they did not look after their family properly by mm. um, insisting they all had to be vaccinated to visit grandma for Christmas. They all know they made a mistake, a horrible mistake. What I don't understand is why so few Robert Malone, being uh, one of them, and Who else? Uh, Pascal Nagyadi, Uh, some of the very few people who are speaking out who took the jabs. Why are people not angry? If I had trusted my government and injected poison and a DOD-produced bioweapon into my family, I would be furious, like you have no idea how angry I would be.
0: Yeah, I think a part of it is the Stockholm syndrome. These people have been abused by the state for years and decades now. And, you know, it's funny if you rescue someone who's been abused and kidnapped, sometimes the abusee, you know, the the Stockholm syndrome victim, doesn't want to run away to the authorities because they're too scared of the unknown. They, they'd rather stay with the abused. At least that's something they know of. And they're yeah. terrified of the unknown and, and actually making their own decisions. <clears throat> and that's the only thing I can think of. These people have trusted and invested so much in the authorities. Now to change their opinion and mind, their whole worldview flips. Everything they took for granted flips. Now they're being told their mum and dad are rapists. It's too much for them to comprehend. They would rather live the lie than face the truth. Hey, you right. injected poison into your children. You cause you know your children to have ill health now as a result. That's too much. That, they would yeah. probably kill themselves. So to live the lie is easier than face the truth. And it's sad. Yeah. And I think more and more Same people are going like to wake that. up and we're going to have to reckon with the fallout. Listen, moving back, you talked about, you know, you, you've you been blacklisted and, you know, you're not earning any money. I feel your pain. You know, my own income has been dropped since I've become vocal. Doctors have stopped referring patients to me um it's difficult it's not easy and it's a huge sacrifice i still have a mortgage i have a young family and i i think to myself why am i doing this you know i had a very good life it was great i didn't have to worry about money i, didn't, I could go on holidays and now i have to be very careful i drive a really old banged up car don't go on expensive holidays I, this week i'm going for the first time in four years to portugal you know a week's holiday and we saved up for that so money is not something that i have easy access to and now my bank account's been frozen My podcast bank account has been frozen. You know, I just realized the fragility of what's happening, like my life. You know, they could just turn the tap any second. But the alternative is to cower and and silence and fear. And for my children, I don't want to do that. I want to speak up and I want to be vocal. And I think that's probably why you created this political party. Can you tell me a little bit about your political party? And if I was to Google it, would I find... Mads, Palsvik, crazy conspiracy, white supremacist, neo-Nazi, anti-Semitic, climate change denier, Putin lover I mean what what what, what has that experience been for you what, what How has the reception been for you creating a political party and Tell me about it? No, no
1: definitely, they, they, they make it make up a lot of, of lies about me and make make articles about it. And if you Google me, you'll probably find a lot of, of, uh, of silly stuff like that. Um, but the, the Prosperity Party is called Wellstand in Danish. Uh, so we call Velstandspartiet. And then we also Earth Freedom and Knowledge, because that's how we started uh, JFK, Earth Freedom Knowledge. The Earth is starting with a J in Danish. And I did this because I wanted to... I wanted to um, commemorate John F. Kennedy who issued money the right way through the Ministry of Finance and um, he made these silver dollars um, and uh, they were real United States dollars, also notes, Mm. United States uh, notes. Whereas if you buy a dollar now, it will say Federal Reserve note because it's produced by the Federal Reserve. So he he had this executive order, 11,110 issuing money so that's why we call it uh, um, Earth Freedom and Knowledge, and now we call it Wellstand because we want to go from welfare to Wellstand. So welfare to prosperity to to to, to prosperity is not the right word, but welfare is something where you where where you are beholden to the government. The government, uh, you know, looks after you, the nanny state. But whereas mm. prosperity for everybody means that mm. we we are, we have a society where each person will have uh, even more than welfare, it will have prosperity, and will mm. have a chance to reach his or her full potential. Mm. And um, the way to do that is, is pretty simple. The bottom mm. line is, of course, the money creation is very important. And the other thing is move the tax burden from, from human beings with a bleeding heart and a capacity to feel empathy with other people. Move the tax burden from these lovely creatures to dead corporations. So all the, our entire uh, program is based on this, that human beings should not pay tax. And that does not oh. mean I'm, I'm a libertarian. And that doesn't Amen. mean that I'm going to stop the welfare state. It means because there are so many ways how a government can make money. For example, issue a, a, a digital turnover tax on money so whenever you transfer money pay one percent this would mean that the multinational corporations they can no longer use all their transfer pricing shenanigans where they place all their profits in Panama and Cayman Island and all their expenses in in U, the UK and Denmark right so mm. because whenever you can they cannot operate without transferring money. So whenever they, they import some stuff, 1%, whenever they pay salaries, 1%, whenever they uh, they, they can make a profit, 1%, whenever, whenever they do anything, 1%, dang, 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 dang. That, 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 and and it, this, this system, so if you remove the income tax and introduce this 1% turnover tax, it's a win-win for everybody, including...
0: Is s- Sorry, yeah? is that the same for public as well, or are you just talking about corporations?
1: Everybody. So, whenever you, as a private individual or a corporation, whenever you transfer money from a bank account to another bank account, or mobile pay, or use your Visa card or Mastercard, whatever digital money transaction you do, one percent goes to the to the to the Minister of Finance, uh, the government coffers. And and this way, you can remove income tax totally, and that means it's a win win for everybody. That's clear. Rich or poor, it's a win win for them. Even the multinational corporations, you would think, oh my God, they're paying tax now, so they're lose, they're losing out. Well, if you think about it, their clients just became more wealthy. You're just going to add one percent or two percent to the price of your product doesn't matter, and you will have a much bigger middle class. Your your potential uh, amount of clients just doubled or tripled or ten doubled, right? So even the multinational corporations would win in this scenario. So, all, so who would who would who would who would, who would not loo, who would not benefit? So, well, only the people who are, who do not want to have a wealthy uh, wealthy uh, country, and that would be the the war-mongering military criminal complex. That would be the the the, the 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 pharmaceutical corporations who who clearly wants to produce sick people, right? But but if you think about it, all good people, including honest, hardworking corporations even multinational corporations would win it's a total win-win for everybody
0: but you you know what i like that idea but i like the idea of cash because like when i go out say with a 10 pound note and i give it to the baker that's 10 pounds they've got now i haven't given one pound to the bank i haven't given one pound to the government that pound 10 pounds go to that baker that baker then goes to the hairdresser and gives them the 10 pound. The 10 pound is always 10 pounds. If you're always taking a percentage out, that money is dwindling. If I you know, give 10 pounds to the baker, suddenly it's only nine pounds now the baker has because he has to give one pound to the bank. Then that nine pound he gives to the um, hairdresser, actually it's only eight pounds because then he has to give another pound or whatever. So what I'm trying to say is, isn't the chance that like if you spend, every time you spend money and you have to give a percentage transaction, you're just concentrating that wealth back to the government. And I I am fundamentally (laughs) anti-government. I just don't think. Governments always want to grow. Mads, governments always want to grow bigger and bigger. They want to justify themselves. They want to justify their budgets. Then they end up paying themselves and their corruption and cronyism. And actually... I want the government to stay the f out of my life, so I can just get on with it. Yeah, no, and do, I, I, I'd rather they just well, got maybe, the one percent from the I, corporations and individuals were just left to to spend and not be interfered with.
1: Okay, so there are the the one percent tax is on digital transfers. So if you pay if you pay t- cash, you don't pay anything. And uh, and and in, right. in our program, only only human beings can pay t- pay cash. Corporations have to be, they want, they want digital. We give them digital. So (laughs) the only corporations can pay with digital money. They cannot, they can receive cash, but they cannot pay with cash. Okay. That that is another rule we have. And, 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 and if you think about it right now in Denmark, I don't know what, how, how, what it is in England anymore because I haven't lived there for many years. But in Denmark, you pay 63% marginal tax rate and then you pay 25% VAT. And then you pay tax well, on all the taxes on everything else. So you know you pay probably at least eighty percent tax before you. Before. So in Denmark right now, if I make a thousand kroner, I I have tw- I have two hundred to spend. Then the then the guy I I, I buy my services from, he gets two hundred kroner. He he then pays one hundred and sixty in tax. So he has now got forty kroner. So in the current system. It yeah. only takes two transactions to take 96% out from the the uh, velocity of money. And that's oh why, my that's how they, they destroy abundance in Denmark. This is how, and it's a miracle we are still we are so wealthy in Denmark still. It, and uh, you and know that's what? a testament of wealthy.
0: Yeah. Mads, I'm so glad you've said this. So, cause I'm just a dumb orthopod, right? I keep it really simple. I trust my gut instinct and I keep it really simple. I don't like getting too technical. But in my simple head, years ago, decades ago, you know, 2008 financial crisis, I didn't tell you my brother used to be a banker. I had this conversation with him. I said, like, if I'm working and earning money, and keep it simple, one pound, I think at the end of the day, 95%, 95 pence goes to the government. I'm left with five pence. It doesn't make sense after all my hard work and labor and effort you know what? All the taxis and everything, you strip it all back. I'm left with five pence. What's the point of me working for five pence when they take 95 and you've just used the figure 96%. So, (laughs) yeah, I think it makes sense now because this is what I mean by the game is rigged. This is what I mean by it just doesn't seem right. So when you talk about abundance and you talk about people not having to be homeless and people not having to worry about where the food is coming from and people not having to go to food banks. You're not talking about communist-style, you know, state nanny. Everybody gets paid same amount and all that kind. Of, you're just saying actually the opposite: the state stops interfering and stealing our money through di- through direct and indirect taxes. Because I don't trust any government. I don't trust any government official. I don't trust the civil servant. I think the big, the big evil layer is actually the civil service who are unelected unaccountable the politicians are a front but actually the civil service look after themselves very nicely and are in bed with the big corporations and the globalists and the banksters and all of them they look after themselves their cushy jobs their pensions and and we get screwed now the common thing is that you've said several times is the middle class is being shrunk i see that so 20 30 years ago Professionals, you only only one member of the family needed to work. Kids would go to private school. You'd go on holiday Christmas and go skiing in the summer. You'd go somewhere in the Mediterranean. You had a nice house, nice car. Now, that's not impossible. Even if you're middle class, both parents need to work. Getting through private education is very difficult. You're lucky if you can go on one holiday a year. And you're indebted up to here, you know, everything's on higher purchase and you're living a lifestyle. You're, most people are trying to show off to people they don't even like by taking up debt and living a, a life to say, look at my big car, my big house. And, um, you know, the middle class has really been squeezed hard. Again, how is this benefiting the country? I, I just don't see that. Is it just now we're going to an era where we're going to have plutocrats and serfs? You know, we're all just peasants. Is that what they want?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm sure they, they want what they, they have what they have done to Africa and South America and poor countries in Asia. That's what they want for us as well. They want f- few families who own everything and the rest working for them. That's what they want, yeah. And I also think a lot of them want depopulation as well uh, with all the new uh, robots and AI and technology that, that is being invented you know a lot a lot of them think that uh, human beings are useless eaters they even say that
0: wow so one last thing you talked about wealth transfer from the poor countries and the southern countries italy greece they're not even poor i mean they sound like they were quite wealthy they not they weren't indebted seems like debt is the major leverage to extract wealth from people so how how do they do the wealth transfer can you just explain that to me a little bit more clearly?
1: You, 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 you're talking about the, the example I gave before with uh, South uh, Southern Europe to uh, the, the British and French and German banks, that example?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so basically, um, they created this um, artificial uh, economic crisis by, at the same time, simultaneously in the Western world, saying that we cannot lend any more money which means we don't produce any more money. And what happens when you when you minimize the, the, the monetary base? If the monetary base goes down and the lending of that money, which is the velocity of money, goes down, those two on one side of the equation. On the other side of the equation, you have growth mm. and inflation. So what is the only thing that can happen with growth and inflation? It can only go down. So you have a recession. It's by design. All you have to do is, Hey, call all the banks. Yeah, stop, stop lending money. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we are we creating a recession? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. And you all they all did it at the same time. So they you they created the recession. They did it. They did it. You even had Ben, ben Bernanke, whom I also met uh on a private meeting in the uh, university in Paris uh in 04. He went out in 05 and said, Yes, we admit Federal Reserve created the Wall Street crack crash in 1929. But we promise we'll never do it again. Three years later, they did it again in 2008. Three years later, after he publicly said, he admitted the Federal Reserve created the Wall Street crash. And they, 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 uh, they, they took over, I think it was like 3 million farms in America and, and, and 16,000 independent small banks, local banks lending out to the community, doing the real job, the noble job of banking, destroyed transferred into the big banks that they own so it was it was uh, it was a highway robbery right so they did the same in 08. they just agreed everybody yeah yeah you you stop lending yeah you stop lending yeah we all stop lending okay got it so they they of course first they sell all their assets privately or the the banks uh, the, you know they will sell their, their their properties whatever and then they stop lending market crashes the the, the people um uh, are 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 left with with uh, more expenses, maybe they, they lose their job. They can't pay their their rent anymore. You know, they 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 take out a mortgage to to pay for for their life. You know, and 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 then these countries who've all who've, who've all who had already uh, been running uh, with corrupt politicians, they've been running a deficit of maybe three or four uh, percent per year, spending three four percent more than they get in tax revenues. And then all of a sudden, when they tax is smaller because there's a recession. Maybe your, your deficit will go from 3% to maybe 6% or 7%. And then the banks will come in and the politicians will go, oh, we need we need to have a have a tough economic policy because you cannot run a deficit. So, okay, what do we do? Okay, you have hmm. to borrow now from IMF to, to fund the deficit first. And then you have to cut back in the public sector. So you have to fire all your, your public sector workers. And then the economy crashes even more and there's no and they, nobody spends any money, so there's even there are even less tax revenue, so it's a bad spiral. They do this absolutely on purpose so it's so, funny so the, the, bank, the, the,
0: the narrative that I heard on the t v and you know the the i the impression I got was ah oh, Greeks italians, lazy, corrupt, serves them right took money out, massive loans that they couldn't afford. Look at these stupid Greeks. Served them right. They had it coming, wasting our money. Now we need to get our money back. And I thought, I'll be honest with you, my impression of this was, one, it was very racist, this, this kind of viewpoint, these lazy, corrupt Southerners. Two, having been to Greece and Italy, I actually found the people very hardworking, very hardworking, very honest, very good people. And it, I, didn't, I didn't really reconcile the two together. I don't, I don't think of Greeks as lazy and corrupt. You know, um, I'm sure there's corruption that goes on there. Corruption goes on everywhere there's human beings. But they're, they're, the narrative was very racist. These lazy, corrupt people took out loans for projects that were unnecessary and, for, and, and they didn't have the money to pay it back. Do you agree that was a narrative? And was that false?
1: I totally agree with everything you just said, and um, and I will even say that the, the, the part of the reason why I, I, I was fighting so much for the Southern European was because of my 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 experiences with Spanish and uh, and Italian and Greek people. I remember once we were backpacking, my wife and three small kids in in Greece, island hopping for two weeks. Three times, Greek people invited us out. I thought I would be paying because whether I pay for five or mm. or seven because there were two mm. people, I, you, you, you know, I thought I would be paying. Mm. I was not allowed. Three times they would take, they, they'd never met me before, my wife mm. and my kids. And three times we were uh, being uh, looked after in a restaurant and didn't pay a penny over two weeks, happened three times. And, and that, wow. meant, that, meant, that just made a huge impression on me because that's something mm. you probably have to live a few lifetimes in Denmark to experience once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so uh, that's not going to happen in Denmark, but uh, but it happened back <laughs> to me three times. I was so impressed, you know.
0: Yeah. Wow, wow! So listen, how is your political party doing now? I mean, have you got any kind of support, or is it tiny no. fringe?
1: It's very tiny. It's very fringe. There's uh, very very few people supporting it, and. Um, and my impression, and it's just based on my subjective observations, is mm. that um, that or that not only is, is of course the deep state and the and the and the general public, uh, you know, uh, being brainwashed, but also the freedom movements—they have gatekeepers in there, and they are mm. that job is basically no, no, you can't work with the, with the prosperity party because it's a political party. We shouldn't be political. That's what they said the first five years, six years. And then during the corona, many of them actually started political parties. So now they couldn't use that excuse anymore. And now it's because mm. I'm a Freemason. Oh, and my wife is Jewish. So I'm actually I'm actually a Jew. I didn't know that. But I'm Jewish, apparently now. <laughs> and um and I'm I'm not being tough enough on Israel, apparently. I mean, I just I went. I've been to Palestinian demonstrations. I made videos with Palestinians. I mean, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Facts doesn't matter at all, right? I'm talking Mm. about you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You know, you should. uh, Palestinians should have uh, their independence. You shouldn't. uh, You shouldn't chop down their olive trees and stuff like that. I mean, I've been talking about all those stuff as well as all the other uh, crimes against humanity that we we are we are we are facing. But um, so. So and and I think they've done a great job to be honest uh, but me and then people say no no I don't want to pick sides so I don't want to renew my membership to Resistance I don't want because I don't want to pick sides but and by saying that what do they do they pick sides right <laughs> they used mm. to be a member or they used to uh, be a signature holder of our party and now, because there's so many, so much uh, bad mouthing and lies and so on, and like character assassination, people who pretended to be freedom fighters who I took in my home, many of them even staying my home, drinking my wine, eating my my food, using private conversations, spinning it, putting a little bit of truth in that, then a, a, a huge lie on top, trying mm. to make character assassinations on me, yeah and um, it's just something you don't do when you break bread with someone if you I, if you know if you go, go to someone's home and you have a dinner with yeah there's certain rules you just don't do afterwards even if you become you go, you go separate ways you know okay you do your stuff i do my mm. stuff right mm. if you have done that yeah and um so yeah i'm pretty disgusted with the uh, the freedom fighters in denmark to be honest and i th- yeah, so so that's just how it is. Uh, it's very very tiny, and uh, yeah, I'm not too optimistic about it. But um, but I'm, I'm just instead of what I'm doing, I'm true bombing, and I'm I'm seeing what they why, why they have been so, so successful in doing in the freedom fighting movement in Denmark is infiltration, control mm. opposition, putting in people in who come in and they do a lot, say all the right things, get into a position of power in the small freedom movements around and then they can do all this stuff such as keeping äh uh, uh, out of any anything so i'm doing the same to them so i am sending my newsletter to the um to the deep state so i'll, I'll be sending for example to to 30 40000 2000 journalists 175 members of parliament all the employees in the four big the biggest government departments the ministry of interior ministry of defense ministry of health the, the, our CDC, you know, our FDA, all the empl- employees there, um, the entire educational sector. So, and of course, all the p- p- heads of police, any, any email I could find with the police, all the judges in Denmark. Uh, so I, when I'm sending out a newsletter, not every time, but, you know, once every, every one, once a month or one, once every two months, I send a long newsletter to all these people. So, with a lot of facts. So I make them fight against each other. And whenever we did our actions to, we were quite successful in Denmark with the, with we were were the first country that opened up uh, in the middle of January, 2022. We were the first country opening up. We were the first country to prohibit uh, injection of poison into children, the the corona (laughs) vaccine. We're the first country that prohibited uh, the injection of the poison in uh, under 55 year olds. And all three things, happened the day or two days or three days after we had an, uh, had an action for example the we opened up uh, 3 days after uh, we sent a notice of liability to the all the 25 members of the commission of epidemics and said to them you know what you are now personally liable for all the the the, the, the human losses and diseases and and wealth loss of all the Danes, because you are classifying the corona as a dangerous to society disease, as Ebola and plague, it's not. It's the flu. It's the annual mm. flu. It's not dangerous. And if you mm. do not change that, you are personally liable. And then we we sent thirty pages of uh, of, um, of uh, in, in an appendix of, of documentation that this is factual. How it is. The following day, after we hand delivered it to their personal. Um, uh, uh, houses where they lived the personal the home address the following day on the, we did it on a Wednesday on a Thursday they changed the definition because they did not want they did not they could see how we were right they did not want want mm. to be personally liable so they mm. changed the definition next day to that it was no longer a dangerous to society disease so on the Monday our prime minister uh, made Frederiksen, she had to open up Denmark. She opened up in, in January, in the, in the height of the corona. There has never been as many people in Denmark with the flu, the corona, uh, as in the middle of January 22. And we opened up that day. So we have, a, we have, a, have succeeded by getting the good people in the system to fight for us. So the way that they have made successful, I admit it, they've been very successful by character assassination uh, on me personally and my party. They've been very good at that in the freedom movement, but I have been doing exactly the same to them. And right now, I mean, the latest I've, I've sent to them, the last two new newsletters I sent to the deep state was I sent the, that the United Nations are promoting pedophilia. On page 24 in their own official document, they say that Mm. if the child consent, such as here's a cookie if you, if the child consent, it's no longer uh, statutory rape. It's no more uh, pedophilia is okay. And United Nations, I I also sent you a WHO's official document where they want to sexualize kids from under the age of two. Sexual education, learn to masturbate from under the age of two. Also official document and I write to all these deep state actors I say you are now pedophile protectors if you do if you do not go out and talk out against the UN and who you are personally pedophile protectors that was one so now they they are sitting on that one and and of course that I put in the 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 documents official documents so they could see it and of course the quote from jury Besmanov where it says that that um, if you have been successfully um, uh, demoralized uh, and brainwashed then uh, you won't even believe the facts if, if it hits them with you so i just said if you don't if you don't if you after reading the official documents you don't believe it look at what jury Besmanov said you've been brainwashed and demoralized and mm. and the previous one i said is very important and i think that would be a great guest for you benjamin brown he's a professor in physics, and a PhD in in uh, in physics and material science, and mm. he he was on our Northern Light convention, which we hosted in June on the island of Bonholm and he mm-hmm. g- gave a presentation about the North Stream uh, attack. The official story is that it was a bond a, a bomb that was 125 kiloton equivalent, and he he proves. With seven examples, and I'm a, I'm a banker. I'm, I'm not a physicist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about it, but I, I, mm. I, I I've just, I've just been trained to, uh, to absorb facts fast mm. because mm. I'm a banker. So I have to make my, my, make up my mind. Is it fake news or is it true? Whatever. And this, when a guy who is a professor in physics gives seven examples why the bomb was at least a thousand, he estimates it to be 10,000 times larger. Then. At least we should have an investigation. Nord Stream, The Nord Stream terror attack was a nuclear bomb. It was a mini-nuke, according to this professor. Wow. So that means that Denmark was nuked, Sweden was nuked, and the, the German infrastructure was nuked, and the Russian uh, export uh, infrastructure were, were, was nuked. So you're nuking a, a, the largest nuclear power in the world's infrastructure, which is Russia. You're doing that, yeah? They, that's what they did. I mean, and he gave he gave seven examples. I can only ma- ma- remember a couple of them. One of them was that it created a 900 kilometer uh, mushroom cloud. 900 kilometers cannot be done with 125 kilo. Must be much larger. It increased the temperature 100 meters below sea level by five degrees. Cannot be done by 125 kilo, kiloton. And the last one I want to do as example, there was there's an under, underground gorge canyon under the sea that goes from the north of the island on Bonholm straight to Kaliningrad. And the the North Stream, if they made the bomb, the the terror attack right there on that canyon, that meant that the blow went all the way through the canyon towards Kaliningrad and created an earthquake 5.4 on the Richter scale in Kaliningrad. So they even were flipping the finger on Russia. Look, we just nuked you. Look at us. Look at what we did to you. And 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 so there was a bigger impact on Kaliningrad than there was on the island of Bornholm because of the way they they did it underneath the water. And he gave another four examples. I think he would be great to have on your show if you're interested. I can introduce to him. Yeah. But but so I sent this to the deep state, and I, that means that if you are a Danish citizen, particularly to the in the military, I sent it to the military as well. If you are in the Danish military, you will have to be at least a tiny bit nationalist. You have to be a little bit angry like I am now that, our, uh, that Denmark has been nuked by Joe Biden and Victoria Nuland and Anthony Blinken. You have to be a little bit pissed off. And you, you have only got one thing to do because none of the, those people are, are, have the same educational uh, background as the professor Benjamin Brown. So if he's wrong, you don't know. You're not qualified to decide whether he's right or he's wrong. You're only qualified to do one thing, and that is demand an investigation immediately.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. My brain's like, wow. I mean, the, I, <laughs> yes. the stupid the stupid that mainstream media. The, yeah. The stupid mainstream media news here. I don't know the idiots that consume it and think it's, it's proper news. The, you know, they pumped out Putin blew up his own Nord Stream. Why would Russia blow up its own infrastructure. I mean, just simple as any simple person can see that doesn't fucking make sense. Mads. I'm so angry with you. I'm going to hit my head against the wall (laughs) because I'm angry. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? You know, to to show you how angry I am, I'm going to smash my car up. You know, (laughs) who does that? It doesn't even make sense. They're making money from selling gas to Germany and Europe. It's a win-win situation. Germany gets cheap gas to fuel its industry. Russia has this guaranteed income stream. Win-win. So win-win for everybody. And there's stability in Europe. Germany and Russia, the two big powers. I know Britain and France would like to think they are, but it's not. It's Germany and Russia, the two big powers, one industrial and one rich in resources. They come together. They work together in this win-win situation. We have peace on Europe. That Nord Stream secured more peace than I believe NATO does, okay? NATO is just an arm of the military-industrial complex looking for another fight. That pipeline was a pipeline of peace, and they blew it up. And they want to blame Russia. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Anyone who buys that propaganda really is lost, in my opinion. Anyway, listen, Mad, we need to wrap up soon. Whew we'll have you back one day talking about more stuff. Look, if you could give advice to your children and your grandchildren on your deathbed, you know, you've hit a grand old age of 135, you know, you lived a great life. What advice would you give your children health or any other advice? What, what would your advice be to your children? Oh,
1: I, what went my advice to my children? well, it's a, it's a very big question, but I will say what I always said to my kids when they were small. If you have a problem today in the school with anybody or you're worried about something, remember the most important sentence in the world and they would know what that, what that is. And the sentence is, it's a sentence that heals you instantly. And it is the following sentence. I am who I am. If you say that to yourself, no matter what other people say about you or do to you, it heals you instantly. It's a secret sentence. And that's what I taught my kids from they were very small.
0: I love it. Mads, I love it. Oh, by the way, we've got another thing in common. You and I both have the word mad in our first name. Maybe we're just mad. Mm, yeah. <laughs> maybe. I, maybe we're mad. We're we're fighting this system, this massive machinery, this organism, this parasite, this psychopathy. Um but I think it's because we're we're we love humanity and we're authentic and you certainly come across as a very decent human being. You don't seem like some racist, right wing, supranationalist, you know. White supremacist, or whatever, or a crazy person, or quack. You sound like someone who cares about people and humanity and wants the best for his country and the rest of the world. So, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed this wonderful conversation. I'm sorry if I have confirmed the fact that I'm a quack and I have quack guests, but if you're listening, you clearly like listening to quacks, so carry on listening. If, however, you think I'm a freedom fighter and you love what I'm doing, thank you so much. Subscribe to the show, share and like, and um, I love you all. Bye bye, everybody.